Well, I say hi too. How y'all doing today? We're going to learn about a character from the Old Testament. One of my one of my favorites out of the Old Testament. I got a lot of them. Barnabas is similar to this guy, and he's from the New Testament. And I've always tried to have some of the characteristics that the Bible teaches. <clears throat> I want to apologize if I cough more often. My wife's been sick for a couple of weeks with a cough, and I've been doing good. This morning I started singing and I started coughing, and it ain't going away. So I'm filled up with cough drops and water. The theme of this guy is wholeheartedness. I'm going to give you some definitions soon, but not yet. Um, wholeheartedness. I thought about my life. I want to give a story in the past of me, as Brian did last week. What a great story. Well, this is pretty cool, though. <clears throat> when I think of hardness, wholeheartedness, I think of chick and football. When Chick was younger, he played football <laughs> with his whole heart. I remember growing up, Rich was t teammates and I, he was the, the wide, no, no, wide receiver, he was the tight end, big guy. So when he would break through the coverage and I would throw it to him high, he would get it and his legs would carry into the end zone. So many times he would go for a touchdown. I was the quarterback. I think I was blessed with a good arm back then. I could throw about 70 yards. But that's not what I was wholeheartedness about. Defense is what I loved. And my buddy Paul and I were defensive ends. You don't let the guys get around you, and you go for the quarterback. And we would always say, meet you at the quarterback on this play. So that was wholeheartedness for Chick. Chick would come home, we played tackle without equipment. And Chick would come home, shirts ripped all the time, because he played with his whole heart. My wife didn't appreciate that. She wasn't wholeheartedness with my football. So we can be wholehearted about things. And it's a good character to have. I know sometimes our young people... Are you wholehearted about school? <laughs> you should see the faces. <laughs> but being wholeheartedness in whatever you do is good. Another verse that builds this characteristic up is the verse, whatever you find your hand to do, do it with all your might. That's how God wants us to do things. We don't always do that. Wholeheartedness. <clears throat> Excuse me. Here's Webster's definition of wholeheartedness. <clears throat> See if you fit the bill in the things that you do. Wholehearted. Doing or done, you've already done it, with all one's energy and enthusiasm. How's that sound like for school, guys? Yeah, I, I, I don't even want to be here. Siri, 
I use Siri a lot for definitions. Here's what she says. <clears throat> With complete sincerity and commitment. That's wholeheartedness. In the Hebrew, in the Bible, when you look at the, the Hebrew here, it's fill, satisfy, complete. But the neat thing about this definition in all the passage that the word wholehearted is used, it is always wholehearted on the things of the Lord. Because we can be wholehearted on different things. But this guy we're going to look at today was wholehearted about following the Lord. And it's mentioned quite a bit in Scripture. I want to be like that. I'm not going to tell you his name yet. I want to give you a little background. Maybe some of you already know it. This guy was born into slavery as a babe. As a matter of fact, <clears throat> he was probably one to five years old when Moses killed the Egyptian and then got scared and fled. Just a little guy. As he grew older, he became, became part of the slavery routine. I'm sure he had to make bricks. Possibly he was whipped at times because that's what they did. Harsh treatment as slaves were the Jewish people. He's around 45 now when Abraham comes back into the land. Abraham's about 80. So he gets to meet him, see him, probably hear about him. The land of Goshen, where the Israelites lived in Egypt, were quite immense. A lot of people. Moses comes back, and Caleb, along with all the... I said it, didn't I? All right, I said it, it's my fault. Caleb and all the others of Egypt got to see the plagues. Now, I try to put myself in Caleb's place. Been a slave, beaten, mistreated, harsh. Not a, not a good way to grow up. He's about 45 years old now. And the first two plagues involve everybody, Israelites in Egypt. First one, the water supply being turned into blood. And the magicians of Egypt duplicate that. Same thing with the frogs. They produce frogs, Moses and Aaron. So does the magicians of Egypt. And it says this about the frogs. They were everywhere, in the palace hallways, even in their beds. And I would add this, probably in the toilets too. They didn't have toilets like we do with the troughs and the water going by. But can you imagine frogs and everybody's got to deal with that? So Caleb's not real happy about this, I would think. But he's watching God do some ma magnificent things. Then come the gnats. How would you like to endure that? I'm out in the field, whether you're playing sports or working out there, and the gnats are heavy, but they're not gnats like this. The uh, magicians of Egypt tried to duplicate it, and they can't. So they say this, 
This is the finger of God. Because they recognize his power. Then the flies come along. How many people like flies on a hot summer day? Even if you're out there bathing, a fly lands on you. Just get off of me. Not nice. But this is what's cool. God doesn't allow the flies to go into Goshen. He separates it now. So Caleb's feeling a little better. Wow, what a God. And that continues. We go from flies to livestock. Don't leave your livestock out there. Well, it says that the Egyptians, some didn't care about God. They didn't think that. They left them out. They're dead. But God didn't do that to the, Egypt, to the Israel's livestock. Boils come. Um, Israelites don't get any boils. This kind of reminds me of the story of Job. But we've all, we're almost finishing with the guys. Boils are bad. Get a piece of clay and scratch it till it bleeds because it's so bad. Magicians try again to duplicate. They can't do it. God is separating that. Hail comes. How many of you have ever been in a big hailstorm? You just expect sometimes for your windshield to break. Well, this hailstorm was killing people. Uh, in the revelations, when God used hails again, the hail is going to be 100 pounds apiece. Wow. But hail doesn't land on the Israelites. Caleb's strength is beginning to really understand who God is. And he can protect us from other things, what the world gets. The locusts come. They take care of everything. What the hail didn't destroy in vegetation, the locusts take care of it all. None for the Israelites. The darkness comes for three days, and the scripture says this, you can't even see your hand in front of you. Um, that would have to be a tough way to live. Louie and I lived about 13 days last year without electricity and gas. But we had candles. We had other things. This was darkness. And Caleb did not experience this. He saw the hand of God again. And then finally, the 10th plague, the death of the firstborn. If you would put the blood over the door, God passed over you. So God began to work and allow the people of Israel to see these things. Here's the first mention of Caleb in Numbers. It says this, But because my servant Caleb has a different spirit and follows me wholeheartedly, I will bring him into the land he went to, and his descendants will inherit it. First mention of Caleb, and God says, here's a guy who's wholeheartedly, and he's followed me. I'm going to bless him. <clears throat> Actually, and I want to remind you of this too. When God said this about him, he was in the land and just got back the report from the 12, 12 spies 
and he had a good report, and that's what God said about him. Numbers 32, 12. Not one except Caleb, son of Jephunai, the Kenzanite, which he was from the tribe of Judah, and Joshua, son of Nun, for they followed the Lord, that's the key, and how did they do it? Wholeheartedly, with all their energy and enthusiasm. They, they were completely committed to doing this. That's a good thing. Deuteronomy 136. Now, here they're at the end of the 40 years in the wilderness. And they're repeating all that transpired as a history before they go into the land. And it says this. Except Caleb, son of Jephneh, he will see it. And I will give him and his descendants the land. He set his feet on because he followed me wholeheartedly. Now let's go to Joshua. This is the cool part of the whole story here that Caleb is in the land. And it says this. Now the people of Judah approached Joshua at Gilgal and Caleb as a representation of the tribe of Judah, son of Jephunneh and the and the and the Kizanite. That's I think that's right. Said to him, so Caleb speaking to Moses, and he's speaking to Joshua. You know what the Lord said to Moses, the man of God, at Kadesh Barnea, about you and me. That's where they were the only two spies. They were all for it. I was forty years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord sent me from Kadesh Barnea to explore the land. And I brought him back a report according to my convictions. But my fellow Israelites who went up from me made the hearts of the people melt in defeat. I, however, followed the Lord, my God, wholeheartedly. So on that day, Moses swore to me, that the land on which your feet have walked will be your inheritance, and that your children forever, because you have followed the Lord, my God, wholeheartedly. Now then, just as the Lord promised, he has kept me alive for 45 years since the time he said to Moses, while Israel moved about in the wilderness. So here I am today, 85 years old. I am still as strong today as the day Moses sent me out. I am just as vigorous to go out to battle now as I was then. Now, give me this hill country that the Lord promised me that day. You yourself heard them, and that the Anakites were there, some of the toughest um, people in that land, and the cities were large and fortified. But the Lord helping me I will drive them out, just as he said. Then Joshua blessed Caleb, son of Jephneah, and gave him Hebron as his inheritance. So Hebron has belonged to Caleb, son of Jephneah, the Kenzanite, ever since, and because he followed the Lord. The God of Israel, he followed him wholeheartedly. 
Hebron used to be called Carith Arba, after Arba, who was the greatest man among the Anakites. Then the land had rest from the war. So God was faithful to Caleb because Caleb was wholeheartedly following God. That's a great lesson for us to learn. And I couldn't help but think, we just finished a series in Acts 2 describing how the church was responding to what God was doing in their midst. And what was the key word there? They devoted themselves, similar to being wholehearted. You know, we have a, a phrase up here on the banner, and Christianity is a matter of the heart. Again, just helping you remember this. You and I operate out of the heart for everything we do. The heart is your emotion, your intellect, your thinking, the very depths of your soul. And God says, guard your heart above everything because out of it come the issues of life. And I'll say it this way, the state of your heart, that's how you go. Are you and I wholehearted for God? Or is God just a part of your life? <clears throat> and again, Luane and I, in our prayer time, we pray for our kids all the time. We're very concerned what our kids have to deal with. We always say that it's a jungle out there. The world is a mess, and they're after our young people's hearts. We have got to pray, and we're encouraging you guys, guard your heart. Whatever you believe, that's how you'll respond. And if you don't believe God is able to fulfill his promises, chances are you're not going to be wholehearted to follow God. We watch a man who was wholehearted his whole life when it came to the wilderness experience. And he never changed. He hung in there. He believed. When he came back with the 12 spies, only he and Joshua had the good report. It says this in the scriptures. And the 10 melted the heart of all Israel. What a sad statement. A whole nation because they listened to the fear of ten guys rather than believing the God of the universe who can do incredible things. So I want to just focus on off of that story What keeps us from having wholeheartedness towards God? And I want to share two aspects. But first, put this verse up, Matthew 10, 28. We want to live on the things that God says and believe them. And this verse basically says, 
don't fear man. We do. But God says don't do it. Because they can only kill the body. And, and that's true. And, and God sometimes allows mankind to kill. He's not for it, but he allows it because he's working it in his perfect plan. And I want to be able to have a heart that says, I'm standing up for God no matter what you do to me. Like our sisters and brothers around the world who at times in their martyrdom are beheaded. I want to have that type of heart, that gumption. But it goes on to say, don't fear man, but fear God. Who can destroy both the body and the soul. This body isn't living forever. But if you and I are in Christ, we are going to live eternally in heaven. I have to hang on to that. I do not want to fear what man can do to me. And that's the two aspects I want to talk about today. The first is fear of man. I believe we all have it at times. We got to keep an eye out for it. Um, when we have a fear of man, it can be in every area of our life, we get more concerned about what we think people will think about us than what God will think. Just, just think about that for a moment. Are there times when I'm more concerned about what people think by what I say or what I do, and hopefully it's godly things, rather than wanting to live and please the Lord? We, we face it all the time. We make decisions out of fearing people. We make decisions about what we're about to do, even what we say. There's times maybe we should speak, speak, speak up in a crowd at a school board meeting. Uh, even here, if something is said that isn't godly, to correct it. It's, it's a powerful place for us to be when we fear man. There was just recently a fall of a major pastor in the United States who I have followed a lot. Great teacher, says a lot of good things. They had to end up firing him. But I listened to the elders explaining to their congregation. They had it on the website. And here's what they said. We as elders apologize and ask forgiveness because back in 2013, we saw signs that we should have spoke up and didn't. And we've allowed pain and sorrow here in 2019. That's a lot of years. We don't want to be afraid to speak up when things are wrong. Certainly my heart is grieved over where our nation is and their new place of abortion. We get opportunity 
Let's speak up about this. It's horrendous before God. The killing of born children now because you have a right to choose. So I'm, I'm encouraging all of us not to fear man. If it's biblically right, stand up. God will be on our side. Do we want God on our side or man saying, oh yeah, he's okay, he doesn't, he's not, he doesn't push the issues here? I hope not. Fear of God. That's where we want our hearts to be. And not a fear that I'm scared to death. The fear of God in the, new, in the Old Testament and the New means an awesome respect of who God is. I do not want to displease God. That's the way I want to live. I want to live wholeheartedly for God and the things of God. So I try to make the connection. We've just learned about the early church and how they were devoted. Shortly, we're going to learn a second aspect of tangible kingdom. I want to have the fear of God that when my church begins to do things that according to the kingdom of God, I want to be wholehearted for it. Here's a great verse. Matthew 6.33 Seek first. Make it my top priority of life. Is family important? Absolutely. Wives, children's back and forth. All that is important. Because God says it's important. And it's part of his kingdom. But I want to make sure in my heart that God is the priority above everything. And he'll work it out. Top priority. God says it another way. Pastor Brian has used this. Love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. That's what he wants us to be. So that as we move towards changing some things at hope here and embracing tangible kingdom. What does that look like? How do, we, how do we make that work here at hope? I want to embrace that with all my heart. If it's right, if it's godly, if it's part of God, what God is doing here at hope. And I want to encourage you Members, regular attenders here at Hope, if you're part of us, come at it with all your enthusiasm, all your heart. I, uh, I read in the verse about Joshua, 85 years old, has the same strength he had the day back then. I can't say that. Physically, I'm, I'm the fourth oldest guy in this church. I don't know if you knew that. Physically, I can't do the things I used to do. But I have determined what I can do. I will do with all of my heart for the kingdom, for Jesus, my Savior, who died for me, who was willing to take my ugly sin upon himself on the cross so that by faith in the work of what Jesus did and by his grace, God says, I forgive you because Jesus has taken your sin 
and I want to give you Jesus' righteousness. I don't deserve that. But oh, I need to believe that. That's a game changer. So that I can live wholeheartedly for the Lord. That's my challenge for you guys today. Whatever you do, whether in word or deed, it's another way of saying it, do it all for Jesus. We don't know what's coming this next year, 2019, in America, even at Hope. But if you and I can be wholehearted to serve the Lord, to serve one another, to serve the initiatives that we're trying to accomplish here, whether it's going to Transnistia and helping help the children or our neighborhoods or even our neighbors. We want to do it wholeheartedly. Are you with me? Yeah. Sort of. <laughs> Some didn't even say anything, so it's kind of a not a wholeheartedness. But I'm going to pray that God will put in all of our hearts the ability to serve him with everything we got. Let's pray. Father, you're worthy of our worship. You're worthy of our work. You're worthy of our money. Everything, all of it, should be done for you and your kingdom. And forgive me for the times I don't. Holy Spirit, work in my heart to have a heart that is all in for you. No matter what, no matter what I face, hard times, good times, even as we sang today, it's all for you. Give me a heart that is all for you, that I would pour all my energy and enthusiasm for the work of the kingdom. For the day is drawing nigh when no man can work. So ask, I ask that your spirit would move upon us here at Hope to be men and women, uh, children, young people. To whatever we do, we would serve you wholeheartedly and leave the results to you. Amen.